The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Church, today is one of those days where I get pretty excited, and it's because we're going to begin a new book. Now, as a church for 11 years, we've gone through multiple books of the Bible, and that's kind of what we do. We go verse by verse, just making sure that we collect the whole of Scripture. Today, we begin one of our longest journeys to date, and that is walking through the Gospel of Luke. Now, why are we doing it? Well, one, because it's the Bible. Two, because I believe that in this season, okay, in this season, what we need as a church is to hear the words of Jesus. Not that the rest of the Bible is not the word of God. I'm not saying that. But the words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the the life of Jesus, we need to press into the most fundamental truths that we can because I don't know about you, but I feel like right now I'm going, give me something, give me some certainty, give me some clarity And I can't think of a more fundamental basis to go to than the words and the teachings of Jesus. So we are going to spend at least two and a half years. And you're going, I may not be here. I may not be here. Like we don't don't know what's going to happen two and a half years. But we're going to spend a long time walking verse by verse through the gospel of Luke. And I'm excited about it because I believe that the Lord is going to use this season in our church to prepare us, to enable us, to cause us to step into our greatest season. And I'm not sure what that means. You're going, Todd, you're supposed to have the vision, man. You're, you're supposed to be the one that knows this. Come on, tell us what, where we're going. I can't but I know the one who can. I know the God who has a plan for us. And I believe that within the teachings of Jesus, we find clarity, some clarity as to what we're supposed to do in this season and in the end of 2020 and 2021. What does that look like? I believe that we could not have picked a better time to jump into a gospel, a gospel that I want to introduce you to today and then spend the next couple years together walking through. So as an introduction, I want you to know a lot of facts today, a lot of details. Those of you that love to take notes, you are going to geek out over today. Those of you that love more of the storytelling, the the sermonic pieces, you're going to probably need to wait till next week, but then it all becomes story. It all becomes narrative, narrative around the life of Jesus. So just wait one more week, please, please. But for all of us, let's do a little introduction to the gospel of Luke, starting with some interesting facts. Didn't know if you knew this. I did, but I went to Bible college. So just, I knew this. Luke is the longest gospel So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Luke is the longest gospel if you count Greek words. So I don't know how many of you ever had to write an essay and they're like, write a 800 word essay or a 2000 word essay. By words only in the Greek, Luke is the longest, 19,482 words. Matthew, 
even though he has 28 chapters, and Luke only has 24 chapters, by words, Matthew comes in second at 18,346 words. I found this to be very, very interesting, and that's why I'm including it today, because I didn't know this. Went to Bible college, didn't know this. This blew me away. I literally had to just stop and walk away from my study. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. It's really probably more one story, beginning with Jesus and ending with Jesus and the movement of the gospel throughout the known world, okay? So Luke and Acts, in those two books, there are more words than any other New Testament writer penned. So Luke is the largest contributor to the New Testament. I didn't know that. Maybe you did, but I didn't. Luke is the largest contributor. Paul wrote 13 books in the New Testament, yet by word count did not surpass Luke. John had his own gospel, had three epistles and the book of Revelation, yet didn't surpass Luke. We are entering in to a season as a church where we are going to study at least the gospel of Luke. We've already done Acts as a church, but we're going to study the gospel of Luke from a person who penned more of the New Testament than anyone else. I thought that was pretty amazing. The gospel of Luke actually didn't receive any credit initially within the known church. For the first 1,800 years, okay, after the Bible's written, first 1,800 years, Matthew and John were the gospels that the church preferred for a very understandable reason. Matthew and John were disciples. They walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They learned from Jesus. They were his disciples. So you have Matthew and John for the first 1800 years who were absolutely the favorites of the church. In the early 19th century, Mark, our other gospel writer, we've done that book as a church as well. He became prominent because it was determined that he wrote the first gospel, meaning he wrote before Matthew and John. That's all that means. But he wrote first, and it didn't hurt that his source for writing was Peter. So people kind of thought if, if Mark is writing down Peter's words and we want to read those. So in, in the last 200 years or so, I mean, Mark was huge, but then people started to open their eyes and realize that Luke, while he wasn't supported by any of these high named disciples, his incentive, his direction, his desire for, com for compiling these words, it's something that we all want. It's something we all need. So who was Luke? Who was Luke? Well, he was a Gentile, the only gospel writer, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Luke was the only Gentile who wrote, meaning he was the only non-Jew. That's, that's all that means. He was the only Gentile writer 
He wrote to a high-ranking Roman official named Theophilus. Okay, so another Gentile, a Gentile writing to a Gentile. And we'll get to it when we read our verses for today. But I just want you to know that. So we have a Gentile in Luke writing to a Gentile in Theophilus. And he was writing so that the good news, the good news of Jesus' life, his teaching, his death, his burial and resurrection might be known to all. That's why he's writing. That's his purpose. That's good news for us. We're studying a gospel that is for those who are not Jewish. So as we sit here today, this is good for us. He wants us to know who Jesus is. Luke is or was a physician, a doctor. Why does that matter? Well, here's my interpretation. I'm not 100% sure if in the first century, being a doctor is the same as it is today. But, but here's what I want you to see. If it's even close, if you went to medical school, if you were practicing as a physician and you left all of that to go write a book, a book about Jesus, all that he began to do and to teach, all that he did in his life, if you left your livelihood as a physician and set out to do that, that would give me onus to believe that you were on a noble quest. And I'm not sure that in the first century, being a doctor is what it means today, but let's just say it's similar. That is a huge deal. He is a doctor. We know this from Colossians 4, verse 14. Paul, one of Luke's best friends, he writes this. Our dear friend Luke the doctor, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Now, I know that's short, but if you look through the gospel of Luke, and if you're a physician today, this is going to be your fun homework. Go read the gospel of Luke and see how accurately he describes medical conditions. He does it far better than any other gospel writer. He had training, okay? Hippocrates is the only other Greek writer the one we get the Hippocratic Oath from. He's the only other Greek writer that we have writings from that use language like Luke uses. This guy gave up a great career to become a historian, to write a narrative about a man that he believed was Lord of all. That's powerful to me. So, what about the book of Luke? The writing date, we all in biblical scholarship, we all interpret when was the book written. For the gospel of Luke, it could be as early as 62 AD or as late as 85 AD. Now, just putting in perspective, for those of you who don't track these dates, Jesus died as late as 33 AD. So you're talking 30 years to up to 50 years after the death of Jesus. I place it like most do right in the middle, somewhere in the 70s. Meaning this, unless Luke was a very, very, very old man, he didn't know Jesus. He never met Jesus. He didn't walk with Jesus. He didn't talk with Jesus. He was a historian wanting to record the life of Jesus so that those may know his good deeds, they might believe in him. So regardless of where you put the authorship, 
It was somewhere many decades after the death of Jesus. Luke is coming in to bring us this. And he wanted, he wanted us to know and understand the way of salvation. salvation. His arrangement, his writing was orderly. It appealed to both Jews and Gentiles while leaning towards the Gentiles. He provided thorough explanation for the readers that wouldn't be familiar with the Holy Land around Jerusalem. They wouldn't know that. He gave detailed description of this because he knew that his readers wouldn't have been there. The Gospel of Luke is known for its literary excellence, its historical detail, and its warm, sensitive understanding of Jesus and those around him. Luke gives credit. He's not short on this. He gives credit to the fact that he's writing an extensive narrative about Jesus, and he does not know personally all the details, but he has interviewed people that do. He knows the people that knew. He knows the narrative. He knows what's going on. Luke went further back than any other gospel writer, meaning, and we'll read this in the next few weeks. He went further back, starting with the birth of John the Baptist, than any other gospel writer. And he went further forward, and this is unfair, but talking about the book of Acts, he went all the way to the gospel being preached in Rome. And to me, we need to just take a breath and realize what we're reading. We're reading the words of a man who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write exactly what he wrote. But he wrote a story, a narrative that begins earlier than any other narrative we have in the New Testament and traces the life of Jesus further and the work of Jesus further than any other narrative we have in the New Testament. And I believe that's why he compiled more words than anyone else. He told the story. Now, church, you can wonder, why, why would we pick this versus an Advent series versus a whatever versus a four-week series on pol- politics or whatever? I mean, like, Luke told us a story that involved the life of a man. This man is named Jesus, whose life, death, and resurrection changed everything. What was, was no longer. And I believe that we as a church need to hear this story. So not only we can tell it or know it, so that we can believe it. And I think that's why Luke wrote he wrote in the first four verses. That's what we're going to read today. The first four, four verses of the Gospel of Luke. He wrote one sentence. Now your grammar teachers would probably tell you that's a run-on. But historically, in the Greek, what Luke wrote in, 
This is known as one of the greatest sentences ever written. I just want you to know that. I, I want you to know that I can't verify that. I can't substantiate that. But it is known historically that in the Greek, this is one of the greatest sentences ever written. He wanted to impress on us right out of the gate that he understood Greek classical writing. He wanted us to know that. And that the first word he wrote, okay, it is not translated. It's not translated in the English until verse three. Okay, the first word he wrote, this is important. I want, I want you to get this. First word he wrote in this greatest sentence in the first four verses that are all we're gonna read today, he wrote a word that would be translated in the English, therefore. In the NIV, it's translated with this in mind. So therefore, with this in mind. No one starts a book with the word therefore. Okay, no one starts a book with this in mind. You don't get to do that because you haven't written anything yet. Okay, so we all get that. You don't start your document that way. So why would he do it? Because in the Greek, in the Greek, the phrase he used, the word he used is so telling of his heart. What he's saying is, get this. Listen up. It doesn't mean therefore. It doesn't mean with this in mind. He's saying, I'm about to bring you something new. Get this. With this in mind, Luke writes this in Luke chapter one, verses one through four. Many have undertaken, many have done this before me, to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Luke wrote after Matthew and Mark. We know that. John wrote after him. Is he calling out Matthew and Mark? No, he's just saying a lot of people have tried to do what I'm about to do. And I want you to know, this is going to blow your socks off. What I'm about to present to you is different than all the others because I've investigated it differently. It wasn't just my eyewitness account. I've talked to all the eyewitnesses. This is gonna be big. Verse three, with this in mind, that's the, actually the first word of Luke's gospel. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most ex excellent Theophilus. Theophilus, his name means friend of God, okay? He was probably a high-ranking Roman official, but more than likely, he was the publisher of this letter. He had commissioned and offered to pay for Luke to write this treatise, this narrative on the life of Jesus. So you have Theophilus. I, I want to let you know that I've decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. 
You've heard about this Jesus. I'm going to validate them. I'm going to validate the claims about his life because I'm going to go investigate and I'm going to bring together eyewitnesses and I'm going to compile it all into one letter and you're going to publish it for me and I'm grateful for that. But I want you to know that everything you think you've heard, I'm going to prove to be true. So Summit Church, what is the purpose? Why are we going through the gospel of Luke? For this reason, Luke 1 verse 4, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So that you may remind yourself of what you've heard. And so that you may believe. Have you ever been taught, just a question, that Jesus' birth was miraculous? Have you ever heard that in any way, shape, or form? Have you ever heard that Jesus was born of a virgin, Mary, so on and so forth? Have you ever heard that? Well, I want us to walk in the next few weeks until we get to Christmas. I want us to walk through the birth narrative and help you see that what you've been taught is actually true. Have you ever been taught that Jesus loves you? Have you ever been told that in VBS, church, somewhere else, Jesus loves you in the next two and a half years? I want to unpack the life of Jesus, his teachings, his precepts, his instructions. I want to unpack those through the gospel of Luke. I want to help you see his miracles. I want to help you see his life and death and resurrection. And then I want you to be able to, without any kind of concern or frustration, or indifference, decipher that, yes, Jesus loves me. Have you ever been taught that Jesus died for you? It will take us a while to get there. A couple of years till we get to the end of the story. But to hear those truths. I'll jump to the end. Jesus sacrificially laid his life down for you. Why would anyone who claims to be the son of God do that if it were not paramount for your salvation? We'll get there. Have you ever heard that Jesus' teachings seem to be confirmed by miracles? In the Gospel of Luke, almost every time that Jesus teaches or he records a teaching, and Luke does way more in parables than just about anybody else. Have you ever heard that if you're going to teach, you need to back it up? Well, he does. And we'll spend so much time in that. Have you ever heard that Jesus' lordship needs to be seen as a fulfillment of prophecy. What about the Old Testament? What about the 4,000 years before Jesus? What, what about those? Is there, is there any way to trace that? Luke, while he's not the best, Matthew's a little better than him. Luke does a great job of showing us that every time Jesus makes a statement, it's substantiated by something from 800, 900, 1,000 years ago, before him. Luke shows that. And have you ever heard that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is Lord? The book of Romans says that's, that's the key to salvation, to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he is Lord. 
Luke does a phenomenal job of explaining this. And I pray that through our study, just as Luke wrote to Theophilus, that you'll see this and you'll understand. I hope that you'll see this in hopes that you will believe, that you will believe so that you may know with certainty that Jesus is Lord. He is the Son of God. Why? Because ultimately the gospel of Luke is for these two groups of people. Are you ready? The Gentiles, those who had no hope, and for those who are distant from God, those who do not know the path to salvation. So today, wrapping this all up as just an introduction, if you feel like you are far from God without hope, just know that this study is for you. This study is for you. And if you're wondering, how do I find hope? This study is for you. This gospel is for you. And if sitting here today, you go, what do I do? I'm watching online because I'm terrified about what's going on in the world. I'm not sure which way is up. Where is my hope? Where is my foundation? Can I tell you that while we have not covered but just the four verses, the first four verses of the Gospel of Luke. Your hope is found in these pages. Your hope is found in this gospel. And I can say that because your hope is found in Jesus. In Jesus. And no one else and nothing else. And you're going, that's a, it's an interesting synopsis. Because what about the economy? What about politics? What about all these things? And I would say kindly, gently, without raising my voice. Luke wrote an account at his own expense, walking away from his own, uh, his own profession. He wrote an account so that we might know with certainty what Jesus did. He wrote that so that we might have hope in who he is. And without asking you to trust me too much, I just want you to know that if you read ahead, if you read ahead today in the Gospel of Luke, you will see a Jesus that loves the poor, the marginalized, the hopeless. You will see a Jesus that teaches truth, that transcends understanding. You will, you will see so much if you read ahead. But I want you to know that there is a Savior who died for you to bring you hope in this time if you will believe in who he is and what he did. And I pray that today, as, as you process through this, and some of you, you, you know that, and we just get excited about the next two and a half years of the Gospel of Luke. But for those who do not know that, I just pray that you press into him. And, and today, most importantly, know that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for you. And that is our hope, no matter what's going on around us. So Father, I thank you 
for this day. I thank you for this truth. I thank you for your son and this gospel of Luke. May it shed light on who you are, on what you've done, on your narrative in history, but more importantly, on your narrative as to how you love us. May we place our faith and our trust in you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.